welcome to the Financial Planners South Africa podcast, a show dedicated to driving the positive evolution of financial advice, specifically in South Africa. To join a global community of financial advisors, sharing and learning with one another to drive the positive evolution of financial advice, head to xyadvisor.com. Portfolio Metrics is thrilled to bring you this podcast in support of our common passion, people and the evolution of wealth management. Our global business links precision investment management to expert financial advice through partnerships and technology. Portfolio Metrics is an authorized financial services provider. AssetMap is a proud sponsor of this podcast. Are you looking for the next big thing in advisor technology? AssetMap is used by thousands of financial advisors to help create more meaningful conversations with clients. See for yourself how AssetMap is leading the next phase of financial advice delivery. Learn more at asset-map.com forward slash Louis for special listeners discount. This episode is proudly brought to you by Alan Gray. They say it's important to live for today. Although that might be true, we can't forget to plan for tomorrow. There's a lot of it left, after all. Alan Gray is an authorized financial services provider. Visit www.alangray.co.za to learn how we build long-term wealth for clients. Welcome to another episode of Financial Planners South Africa. Today, I have with me in the studio, Ben Charlton. Ben is a certified financial planner and loves lifestyle financial planning. We are going to have a wonderful chat about all things technology, niches, what people should be doing. Ben, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, well, thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Before our call, we uh, we were just discussing, discussing setups and getting ready for a virtual first world. And Ben, you mentioned that most of your client interactions are now kind of starting with virtual and stays virtual. Was that always the default for you? Sure. That's an interesting question. Um, I think, I, I mean, I always love face-to-face. You know, uh, it's always great meeting with somebody, shaking their hand. But I just think as as uh, progressed and things, there was a lot of... Um, people that are working sort of maybe after hours at different different times and so it kind of evolved a little bit into a bit of a necessity so I can help a lot of more people you know not in a nine-to-five environment for example you know Um, and I think it's just kind of grown from there and now it's just amazing that you can be sitting in Durban and helping someone in Joburg or you know I could go to Thailand for a week and still be helping somebody in in Joburg or, or whatever the case is. Yeah, your location independence makes a massive difference. <laughs> you have, we have people dialing in from all over the world and you don't even know it. Ben, you have a very interesting niche and you deal predominantly with doctors. I know you have a special story around this. Can can you share that with us? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a very interesting one. Um, so it was kind of during the COVID, uh, yeah, as COVID set in, you know, I was trying to think there must be a way of of doing financial planning and doing things differently. And you know, a lot of people talked about having a niche. You know, all those marketing experts say have have a niche market. So I did think for a while. I was like, well, what niche can I can I do? Uh, what what would what would I be good at? Uh, the obvious one would would have been doctors because uh, my dad's a doctor, my sister's a doctor, my wife's a doctor. 
But I actually ran in the opposite direction because I know how much doctors are harassed by like financial advisors and 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 people trying to sell them things, and so they hate financial advisors, you know. Um, so if I go to a briar with my wife and people ask what do you do, you know, I just say I'm a car salesman or something because it's it's worse than getting <laughs> it's worse than saying I'm a financial advisor. Um, but that kind of changed a little bit over time because. I had such unique insights into what happens in the life of a doctor, you know, and and those are so so crucial things that you can you can actually then help people, you know, to forward plan. You know, you're not doing re- re- reactive planning uh, because you know what's coming up in their lives. I mean, I've had a I had one client uh, they're coming to the end of internship, and I said, you know, you're going to be 27 next year, going into community service. Um, you might not actually get a post. Then what happens? You know, uh, sorry, they were finishing ComServe and they were going in to get a, a medical officer post. And I said, You're, you know, up until now, there were three years of working is all being guaranteed. So what happens if you don't get a post? And they were like, wow, I never even thought about that, you know. <laughs> so we were able to plan, uh, you know, for two or three months worth of expenses as a, you know, a backup in case you didn't have a job. You know, in January, um, we knew she'd probably get something along the way. But what if, you know, first of Jan, she was unemployed? So I think that's the amazing things you can do in clients' love when you niche into into a market because you you know their progression, you know their love. Sometimes even a little bit better than than them. <laughs> that makes complete sense. I mean, for someone to reach out to a specialist dealing with you know the person that might be going through the same life stage, might be have similar challenges are there things that you see are very unique uh, specifically dealing with with doctors that you probably won't see in other occupations well i mean i think that like the common thing that would be similar to other occupations is obviously like the gpf and that's also you know has its own little uh, <laughs> thing to understand um and so and it could also be completely foreign to to other other people so i think that's you know understanding that is actually quite important but I've also noticed, especially doctors, when they're getting older, they because I think being a doctor is, is, is a bit of, of a calling, you know. It's it, it's who they who they are, so they don't actually. If you don't, if, so if you talk to them about retirement, it's almost like a foreign concept. There was a there was an ENT in Durban the other day. I think he retired a month or two ago, and he was ninety two. You know, so. <laughs> You know, like they don't they don't think about retirement, um, and so so what are we doing there? But maybe you're going to help them to step down or to think about things in different ways. Um, and so I think those things are, are maybe slightly different. Whereas in other in other occupations, it's very, you know, at sixty five the company uh, boots you out. <laughs> um, but also I think there's, I think where, uh, with with a lot of my my female clients, they, it's very interesting. Because they obviously earn a lot, of, they earn well, especially in government. Um, and if you don't marry a doctor, there's actually a very big shift in earning between husband and wife. And then how do you navigate that as a couple? I mean, so those have been some amazing conversations that I've had with clients um, because I've been through it myself. You know, my wife earns well, <laughs> and I've gone through all the struggles as a guy, thinking like, how do you, how do you navigate this? How do you lead a family and and, and these kind of things. Um, and so I've been able to then bring that as well into into my experience with clients because uh, I've lived it. And I think that's also quite unique in, in, a, in a doctor world, if that makes sense. Well, Ben, there's so much I want to unpack. Um, <laughs> can we start with 
the overconfidence bias. And it's something that we see when we deal, I'm thinking specifically with engineers and someone that's very successful in their field. They tend to say, well, if I'm successful in my occupation, I'll be successful in investing. I'll be successful in, you know, financial planning and in other areas of my life. How do you tackle that? I think uh, a lot changes with age and a bit of experience. I find uh, with a lot of the younger doctors, they know everything <laughs> before before they even started work. They just they get because they get approached. I think by a lot of the you know the banks and the other people at, in their last year of varsity, and they're giving them iPads, giving them this. They like treat them like royalty. Um, so they they're almost like walking on walking on air when they come out of varsity. Some of them have bought a car before they've even got their first paycheck. You know, like that's how much they're given so they've got this like you say massive uh overconfidence um but as i get older i think you know debit orders start hitting <laughs> and and life sort of happens and i know numerous stories of of people who are, who are driving these you know german cars and maybe got a puncture or two and it just sits in there <laughs> at the doctor's quarters for till the end of the month until they got some money to be able to replace the tire for example you know so I think those things kind of humble you a little bit, and as they get older, they sort of realize what what uh you know what's happening they realize that their money isn't never ending uh, as they thought it would be so I think it has become quite a humbling experience um but but it just t- does take a bit of time. I can see how it's valuable seeing things that can go wrong and almost using that as analogies and stories to say hey this is this might not be you, but here's something to to think about. What do you see shift when someone actually sees, oh, okay, hold on, Ben has, he has some experience in this. Like what changes in the client and in that relationship for you? Oh, I think it's, I think it's massive. Eh? Um, you know, there's some people who think you just kind of maybe, I wouldn't say giving them a lecture, but you know, they're sort of like, yeah, okay. You know, cause they want to almost like live the laugh that they've always thought about, you know, that, that Instagram laugh. But when someone, one, they get it. Oh, I mean, like everything sort of changes. Um, and it's such an amazing thing because uh, I mean, I've had clients that are dealing with, with her and then they got married. Now she brings her husband in and now they're sort of like, now we've got to do finances together. How do we do finances together? What should we be doing? And uh, then you're having great discussions with them. Um, not that that I'm the hero, but I think I feel like to more to be like a guide and throw the question straight back at them and say, well, how do you think money should be done? You know, how do you want to do it as your family? And they start to unpack it. I mean, the conversations that you start having with people now around money, they're not, they're not so scared to talk about it. Um, it's more open. Uh, and then when things pop up, the first thing they do is they get a WhatsApp. Hey, Ben, this has happened. What should I be doing here? And they'll say, hey, let's, let's discuss it. Let's go through this. Uh, you know, say, hey, Ben, if I do this, how will this, influ- how will this influence our plan to, you know, uh, go overseas next year? Or how will this influence us paying for our deposit for our house? You know, we're having such amazing conversations, enriching conversations. Uh, so, yeah, the, the shift is just, it's not about a product or, or where to invest or what to invest in. It's, it's just about them and their life, you know, and that's, that's just amazing. It sounds like the conversation channels between you and your clients are wide open and that they feel comfortable reaching out to you. Tell us a little bit more about how, how your clients or prospective clients communicate with you. Sure. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, doctors, they, they, they do work at weird hours. So I think you've also got to be available and, you know, they're not going to sit down and read an email. You know, if you come up and put an amazing plan together, uh, it could be perfect, but they're not going to sit and read it. 
uh, they just don't have the time, you know, to do it. And so I think, yeah, just being open. I mean, like obviously WhatsApp is very easy. Uh, voice notes. I mean, <laughs> so, so many plans have been have been accomplished over voice notes. I mean, and and discussions and and things like that. So uh, that, and then obviously meetings on one to one or you know virtually uh, sitting down and, and actually booking time. And even in that, you know, having most of those kind of meetings would be say afternoon to evening time because that's when when they're when they're free that's when they're available they, they can't just suddenly stop you know at 10 o'clock in the morning <laughs> like oh i've got a patient on the table oh hang on a minute uh, i need to go speak about to my financial advisor you know like they, they've got stuff that they, they, they're doing <laughs> literally life-saving work and so i think being available in the evening for those kind of things also makes it makes a big difference because they need to sit down and talk about their finances. Uh, they're so busy; they don't actually have time to do anything. Uh, so, so, and you're also kind of forcing them in a way to sit down and think about it, uh, which is which is great for them as well. Because otherwise, it'll be like I'll do it next week, and that next week becomes next year, which becomes sort of never. Uh, you know, my, I, I just said with my wife, even with with things like HPCSA, you got to register for, you got to register for this, you got to register for this course, and just trying to keep track of everything. It's so difficult. I mean, the last thing you want to do is sit down with somebody to talk about, you know, your finances. So, being available in so many different ways, I think, makes a massive difference. You know, f- for them to get a hold of you. So, have you had to change the structure of your workday? to cater for this because you're mentioning kind of meetings in the hours and that makes me think of you know almost the old days where we would meet someone at their house and you know you'd sit down and you'd discuss what policy would would suit for them the industry in large i think has leaned away from that but you're leaning in you're saying hey let's make it easier for for the client what does your normal work day when meeting with clients look like yeah so i mean i've tried to structure my day slightly later if that makes sense so i've got morning time to be at home um so i can I can make the coffee in the morning get the wife off to work and she's happy and i'll start my day a little bit later so maybe around 10 and and doing my admin there might be one or two meetings that i'm attending might be industry things or, or and things like that but client meetings are predominantly uh, then in the evening um so it's fine because i've then shifted my day to look like that um and so for me even if i'm meeting at eight nine o'clock at night it's like four o'clock in the afternoon for me, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it's 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 a little bit of a shift, but you know, I was never a morning person to begin with, so it it works. <laughs> yeah, you you have the control. You can you can move this. You can move time zones. You can you can work for from from a different location. Exactly, exactly. You spoke about the money conversations are getting easier. You know, I often think that money is a very difficult thing to talk about. It's almost easier to talk about sex than what it is to talk about money. <laughs> and it's it's still for a lot of people, it's taboo, but it sounds like your client base is opening up to these money conversations. Tell us a little bit more about, you know, how that's different from maybe some of the older clients or older generations that you're serving. Uh, I think I think this new generation or the younger generation, they, they, they're eager to, to learn and they want to understand, you know. Um, they, it's not that they they're lazy. I think you know they, they're eager, but they just don't know where. And, and if you know, we learned maybe a lot of of things maybe from our parents, or maybe we saw things from our grandparents. But I think a lot of the people now, and a lot of the demographics that we're dealing with, you know, maybe they're the first educated in their family. 
So who, who have they looked up to, you know, to to learn about these financial decisions or, or how things work? And so I think that's exciting because then you can help people, uh, you know, from the beginning. Um, they're asking you, even if it's from simple things to like, what is a balloon payment? How does that work? Is it better to do structure it this way or structure that way? Um, you know, and, and talking through those things. Uh, and that will help as well then to build up to the bigger things um, saying, you know, what is your future retirement look like? What are you trying to do with your life? Where do you want to go? What holidays are we going on? Um, and I think also just being genuinely interested in, in people um, makes, a, makes a massive difference because, you know, there's, there's, it's all very well to say, yeah, I want to go on holiday next year. And that's your goal. You know, so, okay, well, where are you going? <laughs> it's like, oh, well, actually, I really always wanted to go to uh, to Zanzibar or something. Okay, cool. So, how much do you think that's going to cost? You know, uh, how long are you going to go for? Uh, what are the flights going to be? What are you going to do when you get there? And so they start they start then thinking about it. They start believing it. They start seeing it. Um, and then you can say, cool. Well, let's start working towards that plan. You know, let's start working so that in two years' time, uh, you can be going to Zanzibar. Um, and so I think yeah, those a combination of all of those things. Uh, just people are genuinely interested and they want to do the right thing. They want to, I don't say like a fire movement, but you know, that kind of, I guess those things play a part. Um, but I think it's just, just a lot more, people are just a, a lot more aware, if that makes sense. Yeah, you're speaking their language and you're getting them excited about the things that they want to achieve. Uh, someone said recently that when you're working with someone planning their retirement goals, that you should be asking, what does a Tuesday morning look like? You know, you want a very clear picture. And it sounds like you incorporate something similar in your goal conversations. For financial planners that want to get in this type of goal conversation, what advice would you give them to maybe make it run a little bit smoother? So that's a good, it's a good question because it's something that we, <laughs> we think about and we, and we refine and we try to go over our processes, you know, so often. So it's a very, it's a very difficult question to, to answer. But I think, I think it's trying to get to the core of, of what they're really looking for, if that makes sense. And it's not, that's not always an easy thing to do. Um, <laughs> but you got to try and take off all those layers of the onions and get to, to that real point of, of, of what's, what's at the heart of it. Uh, because I think a lot of like with the doctors, they, a lot of them that I deal with, they say that they want to uh, open their own sort of maybe clinic or their, and some say their own hospital. They want to give back to the community because that's a very core of what, of what they're doing. And I'm, at the face of it, I'm like, that's impossible. You know, okay, that's, that's a dream. Okay, what next? You know, what car do you want? You know, like that can be very easy to look at that. But what is the, what is the core of what they're trying to say there? You know, and as you ask a bit deeper questions, it's like they actually want to have an impact in what they're doing. They want communities to be affected, you know, to have healthcare, access to healthcare. They want to see communities being uplifted. And I think that's, you know, you've got to ask a lot of questions to get to that, which is, yeah, it takes a bit of practice. Uh, but... <laughs> Yeah, I think when you when you unlock that, and at the heart of what they want, it opens up uh, so much for you uh, to talk to them about and for them to share. Yeah, that image of peeling the layers of the onion is is wonderful. Bill Backrack talks about a question that he often asks: is what's important about money to you? And then someone would answer, and then delving a little bit deeper, and wh why is that important? And you know, why is that? And so kind of not not stopping and going deeper and deeper and deeper. When do you know when it's time to stop? <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, that's a. Uh, I'm laughing because I was just thinking to myself the other day. I was like, "Geez, I don't think I quite get deep enough. I'm still. I get stuck on layer three. I feel, I feel like I've got two more layers to go to." And so, you know, as as Carl Richards would say, you know, he <laughs> he tries in every meeting to to make somebody cry. Then he knows that's the end point. You know, like that's he's got to the point. <laughs> um, Fear to nerve. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I think um, you know you can sort of. Uh, maybe sometimes even in the in the meeting you don't really understand you think you got to the to that point but i think when you sit back and you sort of reflect on the meeting you can actually then pick it up as well so i don't think you always have to get right to the bottom of the core um if you peel back one or two layers you can sort of understand a bit more you know of that person but i mean yeah i think like you say as, as an example you know someone can you know, come in and just say i just want to be financially secure you know and you sort of like well, well what does that mean <laughs> <laughs> to you and I said oh, I just want to have enough money so that we can do the things we want I was like okay well, what do you want to what do you want to be able to do and you keep asking asking that actually that the you know she the wife wanted to just be able to have time with the kids you know so only maybe work mornings and have the afternoons off you know that's what they're really looking for and that's what the heart of what they they want and 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 so I think clients don't know how to phrase things or maybe they try and say things into like a financial planning way <laughs> so say, you know i want to be financially secure um and that could mean anything to a whole lot of different people um and so i think we got to just try and unpack it a little bit so that you understand what they are trying to relate to you and i think then then you've then you know what what it is you've got to that final layer it's this almost hyper personal question instead of just oh this is something that i expect you to <laughs> this is the answer you you would expect me to give and kind of a copy copy and paste this planning does get very personal you know and it sounds like you deal with a lot of stuff that traditional financial planners would not do how do you create the boundaries around your relationship where someone might just be passing on more stuff than what you need to take on or what you're comfortable taking on? I think it's it's very important having a structure and a plan in your process. Um, so you know that, you know, this meeting we're, we're covering this and this meeting we're covering that, you know, and meeting three we're doing this. Um, and, and so in a way setting boundaries there um, so that you can you can keep the meeting also then on, on point. And also, I mean, you are asking the questions as well. You know, they're getting direction from you. Um, and I think you can never ask too many wrong questions because a client will never share anything that they don't want you to know, <laughs> you know. Um, and so if you start going in also in the wrong direction, then they're, they're not going to lead you in the wrong direction. You know, they're going to lead you. And so I think then as well, it's important for you to know what are you trying to get to. And so having so also not just asking questions for the sake of asking questions, you know. Um, <laughs> I think there's got to be there's got to be purpose and a point. Uh, behind behind the questions um you know am i learning something about that person um am i is this going to help to get them there we're not just asking oh so how was the rugby on the weekend who do you support you know like that's <laughs> that's all kind of surface level sort of questions um but if you know why you're asking where the conversation's going what we're going to achieve out of it and it's all part of your process and it's leading to some sort of point i think then you can be in a very safe space along that journey how much of that comes through experience versus training? Because I'm thinking that your discussions in your your first couple of client meetings probably didn't look the same. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of it is a bit of a trial and error, I think, mostly. We sort of just say, oh, I'm going to try this today. <laughs> um, 
and you know sometimes clients don't come back you're like oops okay that didn't work <laughs> um and then so then you, you just try and you tweak it and you try some things and but i think it's also you develop relationship with the clients and and you can ask them for genuine feedback and say hey how did you how did you find this um or some of the clients you have a good relationship with you say hey i'm gonna do this with you i want you to let me know how does it feel what is it like what did you feel at the end of it? And you're just getting this constant feedback and tweaking and things because if those are your, and that's a, another great thing about working with a niche is because if that's your ideal client, then they're going to tell you how you feel, how they feel, then they'll be able to relate how other people in their, in their field are going to feel as well, you know, or similar kind of people, if that makes sense. Yeah, so it becomes very valuable feedback to you. In the coaching world, they often talk about, you know, asking someone what do they expect to get out of this conversation? And then at the end of that conversation, look back to say, well, Mr. Client, Mrs. Client, you said you expected this. Is that what you got? And oftentimes the answer is no, I got so much more. You know, this kind of book ends um, to the conversation. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a, a, you make a good point. I mean, it's so important to understand what does the client want um, and what are they looking for and that's a question that we ask uh, a because we might not be the right fit for what they're looking for uh, and or and b we got to also know what they're trying to achieve um, and if you're going in a different direction to where they're going then you're going to get into problems uh, probably sooner rather than later what are the red flags Ben that you look for in clients to say hey these this is someone that I'm going to run in the other direction like <laughs> is there anything that comes to mind Um yeah other than <laughs> a bag a, of cash a few. <laughs> Yeah <laughs> Like I think we we've got a process that we've that we've set up and that we take every single client through Um so if a client doesn't want to run through that process then we won't take them on because we know that it's just going to we're not going to get anywhere because they're not willing to go through the work. You know, they're not willing to to go through the journey. We're just going to clash heads, and and so it's not worth it. Um, so if they're not willing to go through our process, then then we're not going to take them. So Ben, when you say we we had um, Dirk Grunefeld on as one of the early episodes at Client Care, and you recently joined the team, so can you tell us a little bit uh, without peeking under the hood? Um, what that process looked like joining them and, and how well uh, or how difficult it it went. In joining them or in how our process is that we take a, a client through? And joining them, specifically that oh, move joining to... Yeah, it, was, it was a very interesting one because um, <laughs> I accepted my job offer before I even met Dirk. <laughs> I remember I signed a contract and then we happened to be in Kruger at the same time. So I met him at, in Kruger and I, it was very different to what I'd ever seen because I've only met you know virtually, so I'd only seen the top half of him. I was like, "Oh, he's got legs!" <laughs> so it was, it was, it was such a strange uh, encounter. But yeah, it was great. I think we've, um, you know, I think we'd seen each other's, you know, things online, our posts. Uh, we were kind of speaking a very similar language, um, and then we we chatted a few times, and he he even actually spoken to me a few months. Prior and he's like, hey, you know, have you thought about maybe joining us? And I kind of just laughed. I was like, ha ha, you know, like, and you know, carried on the conversation. And <laughs> yeah, and then and things came to um, to be, and yeah, it it looked like it would be a great move. Um, and so I just did some, some some due diligence and and checked them out. Um, 
But yeah, and as you know, well, I, I live in Durban and they're based in PE. Uh, so like, again, that's also like, how does this work? <laughs> um, yeah, so I work I work virtually uh, from Durban and they're in PE. So and the first time I flew up and met the team, I was like, hey, hey, everybody, this is this is me. <laughs> but it's been great. I think uh, learning you know, to go through their process um, to see how they're doing things and then also adding in a little bit of my my flair to to how things have been going and uh, make you know um not that there's anything wrong but just saying hey how could we improve this how can we look at this let's maybe bring a bit of um technology to these things let's let's look at this let's look at that and i think that's been a it's an amazing combination when you have sort of you know an old established guy as well as you know some young young blood <laughs> to really sort of get in there. And I think you can actually do so much because you've got the experience and the energy um, to, to balance everything out. Ben, what did the conversation look like with your clients and how, how did that go? Yeah, so I, I just, it, it's, it's interesting because my, my relationship with my clients has always been, it's been Ben and Louis, for example. You know, they, you know Louis is phoning Ben. It's never been Ben of XYZ. Uh, financial planners and so I just said hey hey Louis I'm just gonna be doing what I'm doing but I'm gonna be doing it somewhere else but I'm gonna have a team around me we're gonna be able to do more f- uh, for you uh, because uh, at client care we have two me- we have two advisors in every meeting um, so that that's for you as a client how, how amazing is that if something happens to me if I get hit by a bus then there's somebody else who, who's been in the meeting I don't have to always die, but what if I was overseas or I was on holiday or <laughs> they can't get hold of me for whatever reason? But there's always, then now there's a team around. Um, not only that, but now when you're coming up with something, maybe it's a bit more tricky or, or there's now two or three brains thinking about this this problem or solution as opposed to, to just me. Um, and what if I was leading them in the wrong direction in the first place? Now you've got somebody else. <laughs> so I think from a client's perspective, uh, it's amazing. Um, you got so much more value to the client, uh, but also, like I said, they they were like, but you know, it's the relationship is is Mr. Client and and Ben, uh, it's not you know X Y Z uh, financial planners. So for them, they're like, well, as long as you keep doing the same stuff, what what difference does it make? You know, um, so yeah, I think it's been great. Um, they've been meeting, we've been doing onboarding of them, and they've been meeting everybody, getting to know everyone, and having great conversations. Um, bringing in some of the stuff that through Dirk's experience and having even deeper conversations, I'm like, oh, I didn't know about that about them. You know, like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> um, and so, again, it's just having those conversations again can even bring up things, uh, which which is amazing. So, yeah, it's been a great experience. I want to know a little bit more about how you deliver advice as a team. So you say that there's two advisors in a meeting. Who gets to do what and how do you agree on that? Because <laughs> um, as advisors, we tend to want to um, give our own opinion uh, often. So yeah, tell me a bit yeah. about how, how you balance that and how you manage it. It's, uh, we have, let's have a, a game of ching chong chat beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your advice uh, wins. <laughs> I, think, um, I think the first thing, well, we it's not ever been like it's not in the culture of client care it's not your client or my client you know it's all client care's clients you know i think we we'll, we have someone who maybe be the like the lead advisor and that's because they had the primary relationship uh, with that person and they can go to 
but it's never like this is Ben's client, this is Alex's client. Uh, there's never been that in any discussion. They're all client cares client. So I think that takes about that competition out of it completely. Um, and so the lead advisor would would um, sort of lead the conversation. Um, and I think when it comes, you know, you're saying about advice. I think the thing is, but it's it's very tricky, you know, because people often come to us for advice. And that's probably the main reason why maybe someone will come and see a financial advisor. But I think the client actually knows the right thing to do. And so we got, when you're throwing it back to the client and we're more like a guide, you know, we, we're not the hero that's telling them, go this way, you know, come in and save the day. I think we're more of a guide. And, and, and when you, like I said earlier, you know, they said, what should we do? How do we do money as a family? I'm not telling them what to do. I didn't say, well, first of all, you need to do this, this, and this. I said, well, how do you guys want to do it? Um, how do you think it should work? And then you play off that and you're asking those conversations. So you're not then trying to fight for the the best advice because I think everybody's situation is different. It's all unique. And so the client's in the best place to know what's going to be best for them. We can maybe help them around the technical things um, and we can discuss that as advisors offline together saying, okay, but this law says this and this could do that. You know, the technical stuff on the back end. Um, but yeah, when you're into the client, I think the client's in the best place to know. We just got to help them to to know what's, to get to that point where they can see what's the best way to, to take. Ben, what what training helped you develop this view? Because you have a very different view about how you should be delivering advice and the engagements. Is there anything that, you know, crafted or pushed you in this direction? Any resources that comes to mind? I've, um, it's been a mixed match of, of things. <laughs> uh, I think the one thing that had the most profound uh, d- difference was that um, with Earth, when COVID started, uh, then there was Brian Foster and he had the financial caddy and I started that a year course there. And that kind of opened my eyes to lifestyle financial planning. And I think that's what's really kind of changed my view. And I was like, wow, there's a different way. I always wanted to do the right thing for the client but I didn't know how to do it. You know, what is the structure? And I think that course really gave me uh, an amazing foundation. Um, so you know, I've got to give credit to him to sort of opening opening my eyes. Um, but then it's also just been, I've, I've also fostered a great relationship with uh, with Mark uh, Sado in, in, in Cape Town. You know, we've, we've had great conversations. Um, and so we've, you know, we've talked about things, we've wrestled with things, you know, and, and those kind of things. But then again, podcasts I think is a is a great way. I mean, there's so many, uh, so many great ones. You know, Brendan Foster's got uh, Brendan Fraser, is it? Yeah, um, yeah, uh, yeah. So I mean, I really enjoy his stuff. And he's got your Carl and Kitsis. I uh, enjoy them because Carl thinks emotionally, and Kitsis is very num- numerical, and it's like I don't get it. And they're almost like they're totally different views, and that's what makes it so great because they they are different. Um, so yeah, I think just listening to a lot of different views and things, yeah, it's hard sometimes because there's a lot of great ideas and then how do you implement it, you know? <laughs> um, and so sometimes you've got to just kind of stick to something and work on something. It's never going to be perfect. You're always going to be changing it. Um, but yeah. It seems like you're molding this as you go on and saying, okay, you know, we need to bring in more resources, but at some point you actually apply it and see, see if it works. Does it resonate with your specific client? I would definitely echo that. Um, the Human Side of Money is a brilliant podcast um, and so is Kitsis and Carl, but um, the amount of knowledge out there and the amount of resources can be scary 
for younger financial planners starting out or even older financial planners just saying, there's so much, you know, I need to get hold of technology, bringing in new clients, uh, learning more, spending time with clients, compliance, all of this. How do you prioritize that? You know, and, and what phase are you in now um, in terms of, you know, joining client care? What's at the top of your priority list? Sure, it's a, it's a good question. Um <laughs> I think there's uh, there's been a lot. Uh, I think all well, coming into client care, a lot of my my priorities has been around sort of like a lot of this. I would say awareness, so more like the social media, uh, a lot of the social media side, um, making a few little videos, um, explainer videos, you know, those little doodly animations, you know, those kind of things, um, and just trying to yeah, I guess a bit of marketing and the and, and that side. I think of my. A lot of my expertise have been put pushed that direction uh, because we're in a bit of a, a growth phase, you know. So we've got the process that that's been developed, um, and so now we need to get people to go, you know, go through that process, um, and still trying to tinker with the process as we go along and changing things. And <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's also again the great thing about being in a team is that everyone can have different expertise and different bringing different things so i don't have to focus on the compliance i don't have to focus on you know certain certain things and i've got to just focus on my little area um and also seeing clients and and working with my clients um and then so yeah i think team is is amazing it could be very different from you know working as a solo financial planner seeing your clients doing the administration and then all of a sudden you know being shifted into into a team is what you're getting now what you expected it to be in terms of working as a team? Yeah, I think it's it's um, it's, it's kind of maybe gone past my expectations, you know, um, because it's, it's it's just so I don't know. I've had a great experience, you know. It's just been, it, like you say, it has been difficult. I think it also depends the reasons why you're going into it. Um, if you were kind of going to a team because you think, oh, it's just going to be easier, um, <laughs> and that's it. I think it, it also becomes harder because you're gonna you want to pick up your end, you know. You want to make sure your end is standing strong. Um, if you're going into it, if you're going into it for for money reasons or this and that, you're like, oh, but I want to be uh, seeing more clients. I want to try to do this and that. You know, it's going to be very difficult to be in a team because there's going to be other responsibilities that are that are on you, if that makes sense. Um, but if you know, if you're caring about the client, what's the right thing for the client? And I'm just thinking, how can I help uh, to make the client experience the most amazing that anyone has, you know, through client care. How, how can I change that they have a great client experience? You know, um, how can I help more people to experience this great, this great experience? How, can, how do I work on my marketing and those kind of things? It's a very different mind shift to, you know, where I'm going to run around to find another client. <laughs> you yeah, know? and sometimes yeah. that so, comes, you know, it comes from the things that you put in. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think you know when you when you're doing great work. You know the referrals come, and and that's where I'd say ninety five percent of the business comes from is is referrals, um, and and I think that's just testament to the to the work that we're doing. But um, yeah, we always just want to try and meet more people and help more people. <laughs> ben, what do you see as the future of financial planning? What is what does this thing that we're doing now look like ten or twenty years from now? How how is it different from what we're doing now? I I think it's going to be nothing at all to do with products to be honest. And I think it's all just going to be conversations almost like this and just chatting about life and, and, and money. Um, 
you know, because you can see investing, you know, robo advice and and passive and all these things, you know, the the costs are just coming down and down and down. I don't. It's easy for someone to go online and to do an investment um, at ho- at a fraction of the price of doing it through through an advisor. I think the real value comes though in that conversation about what is that investment for? Why? What are we? What are we aiming towards? What is this money? What is this money going to do for you? Uh, or what do you want this money to do for you? You know, um, what does your life look like? Um, you know, I, I've had a. I mean, just like I, I was working with a client now, and they've. They had a, I'd say like a strict kind of upbringing. They've learned to save money. They've worked hard, and and so he's always kind of just saved, 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 and just put everything together. And I, and I said to him, I said things are on track. You know, you need to like live a little. Maybe take your family on holiday. And he was like, really, you know. And and he comes back. He's like, Ben, it's the first time I've taken a holiday for I don't know how how many years. And I felt free enough to do it. You know, that's what real you know financial planning uh, is about. Um, you know, discussing husband and wife together, saying we just got married, or even before they got married, say so, you know, like, hey, we're going to get married. This is what um, what should we be doing? What are, what are what are our plans going to be? How are we going to do money together? Um, those are those are life changing conversations that you're having with with families. Um, got another client now who wants to said, hey, things are going well. I've got a guy I've been seeing. He's kind of serious. Can we bring him into our financial planning meetings? I want to see how does this, <laughs> you know, line up, and it's, she's almost like thinking like, "Hey, is this is, is this going to be husband material? Let me see how he comes out out of these meetings in a way, you know." Like, <laughs> my financial is, advisor has to approve uh, my fiance. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's like I mean, if if this is she's on this track and she knows where she's going, this is what her life wants to look like. Can he buy into that, or does he want to you know to spend everything or doesn't care about? you know, her dreams and the things, you know, these are important things to know uh, before you get married. <laughs> um, but again, what great conversations that you're having uh, with clients. And and I think that's what the future of financial planning is. It's not about the investment per se. It's around about life and how these money, how money affects your life and, and what's happening to you and your family. Ben, how would you prepare for a meeting like that? You know, a client saying, I want you to meet my potential fiancé um, to vet him, but also to make sure that we're on the same track. Do you prepare for that? And if so, like, what does it look like? Um, yeah, well, it's something I've got to think about because it's it's the first time. Well, actually, I mean, uh, I've, I've, I lie because someone else brought in their husband as well. So it's, a, it's, it's becoming more common, I think. Um, <laughs> and... It, it is interesting because there's so much that they you got to understand as well what why they're bringing them in um you know what are they what do they want to see so i think you got to get to know that first maybe what is their i think also sometimes it's you know, like you said it's so difficult to talk about money um but sometimes having that <laughs> that third person you know they can't shout at each other when someone else is there they're like oh okay <laughs> and, and so let me for example like with the with the couple that that, that I had before, I mean, he, he actually opened up and said in the meeting, he's like, Ben, how can I provide uh, for my family? She wants me to provide. She said she wants me to be the provider. But how can I do that when I'm earning uh, less than her? You know. Um, and then I looked at her and I said, okay, well, what does it mean to you to be a provider? And he said, well, I want him to lead the family. I want him to make decisions. I want him to do this, you know, X, Y, Z. 
Um, and I said, is that it? And she's like, yes. Um, I said, okay, sure. Yeah. And I looked back at him and I said, was there anywhere there where she mentioned how much you need to earn? Um, and she's like, no, actually not. So I said, so being provided to her is not about how much you earn. These are what she means to provide. You've interpreted it as this is what it is to be a provider. And for him, it was just a light bulb moment. You know, that does change their, their whole, a whole outlook on money and how they're making decisions and talking about it. So that I couldn't really prepare for, but I had to understand what what it was that was the, the root issue. Again, you know, I think it's peeling back that onion. <laughs> sure, Ben, that, that sounds so therapeutic. I mean, I can, I can only imagine what that meant for them. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, it was like a light bulb moment, you know, just something like a poof. <laughs> it's like, wow. Um, and, and think about it, you know, with most relationships, money becomes is the biggest problem. Uh, in any relationship. So if you're able to now talk about your money, talk about how your money is being utilized or spent, what the goals are, where are you working towards as a family? When you're on the same page, I mean, how how magical is that? That makes our future planning so much easier. Yeah. And, and you know, um, I'm sure he still gets upset every now and again if she goes and buys some extra dusting to her hair or this and that. But, you know, they, they're working on it. And now and now he can say, oh, is that going to affect our trip to, to Zanzibar? Or, oh, look at this. And so now they're, they're thinking about their plan uh, together as a couple as opposed to just one person saying, yeah, I'm going to do this, um, you know. So they can you can joke about it, you know, sort of tongue-in-cheek as well in the relationship. <laughs> Given all of this, like, I'm curious, what does your review meetings look like? <laughs> well, uh, that's, why, that's why I say financial planning is just such an interesting thing because I know you, you know, technically, you know, you're meant to be having it like once a year kind of thing. But when you've got these relationships with your clients, you're almost having a review meeting, you know, all the, all the time because you're just checking in or when, when, when things happen, that's, that's the first phone call that I get, you know. People are moving jobs. Hey, Ben, I'm moving jobs. I've had clients phone me. Hey, Ben, I've started now as a permanent member. They've asked me, do I get my 13th check paid out monthly or should I have it as a in lump sum at the end of the, you know, in my birthday month? Uh, should I be taxed on it monthly or as a lump sum at the end of the, I'm just like, well, what do you want? I don't know. <laughs> like, well, let's, let's look at it and sit down. But the, the, the amazing thing is that they have become their first call. Um, when something happens in their life. And so it's not a surprise. You know, in a review meeting, I'm not like, oh, did you, you moved. You know, I'm not caught off guard in a way because we've had a we've had a conversation throughout the year. Um, and I think that's, you know, it, it's hard to do it as, from a compliance perspective. I think if you just keep copy of maybe your <laughs> the WhatsApps and the voice notes and things, but like that's technically reviews really um, throughout the year, just checking in, meeting with them. They're discussing different things. And and that um, I just still think it's important at least though once a year to sit down and just you know really look at maybe the numbers and seeing the direction that you're going. So I do think it's important to have a proper still you know have a proper meeting. But I mean a lot of you're having like many reviews on the on the journey if that makes sense. Tailored more to what's appropriate for that client at that point instead of just saying oh this yeah. is what your fund has performed and therefore you're you're on track. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, I I don't think I ever do that. You know, I've never looked at fund performance. Uh, I just say that's what it's done because there's nothing we can do about it. You know, right? All they can do is either put more in or or spend less. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, I just say your education fund is on track or it's not on track. Um, so you need to, you know, 
we can't talk about performance. I can't do anything about it. You can't do anything about it. It just happens. So they know they're in the right fund. We've placed them in the right fund for what they're trying to achieve. So we've got to ride it out, right? So there's no point even talking about fund performance. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, I love how you position that and say, okay, this is where I add value. This is what you can control. Ben, this has been a wonderful conversation. I mean, I can't believe how this time just <laughs> flew by. Um, if people want to reach out to you and maybe want to have a conversation, potential doctors or um, just someone in the industry, what's the best way to get hold of you? Uh, uh, either on LinkedIn. Um, you can get hold of me on LinkedIn. You can get hold of me through the client care website, Instagram. I'm kind of everywhere. So wherever you send me a message, I'll, I'll get back to you. Thank you so much for being here today and sharing the way you show up for clients. It's been so refreshing and all the best with these life-changing conversations. Thanks, Louis. It's a pleasure being here.